You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name, Milwaukee Bucks reporter at The Athletic Wisconsin. Joining me as always is my good friend and the founder of BrewHoop.com, Frank Madden. Frank, how you doing, buddy? You know, not a great weekend for Wisconsin sports, uh, Eric, with the Bucks <laughs> blowing a huge lead to the uh, Derek Knicks on Saturday. We'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, and then on Sunday, the Green Bay Packers rounding out their just, you know, shit show of a season. Uh, with a home loss to the this was their uh, this was their home loss to the Phoenix Suns equivalent, I guess. Um, yeah, and uh, they they had their Jason Kidd moment where uh, they were so bad and so embarrassing these last uh, couple months, I guess you'd say um, that uh, that their head coach Mike McCarthy was fired. And uh, you know, as I mentioned on Twitter, as it as it happens when you're a uh, Wisconsin sports team, you get rid of your coach after probably waiting too long. Um, well, definitely after waiting too long, uh, you replace him with, with a Joe P in this case, it's a guy named Joe Philbin who's the <laughs> coordinator, uh, in the Bucks case, it was Joe Prunty who was basically the offensive coordinator. So it all just, there, there's some, there's some nice symmetry here and we just have to hope that, uh, the Packers get a, a good coach, uh, as the, uh, as the Bucks did. So um, that is my that is my mini locked on Packers uh, recap of the week. Um, and so, oh, I was going to go a little bit further. Like I, I one thing. So one thing I find very interesting about it is um, like Mike McCarthy obviously won a Super Bowl, had some success. And um, I think it's always interesting, like trying to to judge a legacy like right away. And, you know, I just think at the end, like, you know, the the voice was clearly not working anymore. Like they they were clearly not fresh a, at all. And uh, you know, like with Jason Kidd, it was like, okay, well, they had that one good year where the defense was awesome, and then everything kind of went to crap after that. And I, I would say the NBA moves like quite a bit quicker uh, in just kind of changing as as uh, as a greater entity. But even in the NFL, like the last two or three years, it was like, oh, that team's doing something cool offensively. Oh that team's doing something cool offensively. And then all of a sudden it was like chiefs Rams on Monday night scoring 800 points. And it was like, Oh, that's what the new NFL should look like. And you have the best quarterback in the league and maybe the best quarterback of all time. Maybe you should not do all of this old stuff anymore. Um, so yeah, it was, I don't know. It was interesting. I would agree. They waited too long and now they've fired him and that's good. And I'm very interested to see who they hire next. If you want to learn more about the Green Bay Packers, head over to Locked On Packers. Locked On Packers, excuse me, with Peter Bukowski over there. He will have that for you, and you should check that out because I'm sure it'll be a very interesting lesson. Milwaukee Bucks, Locked On Bucks. Let's get back to that then. Um, so the Bucks and 
and us, we have a we have a few days to think about uh, uh, the Bucks loss on Saturday, and um, probably good to start off by saying this was, I guess, really the second bad Bucks loss of the season, right? Uh, aside from the Suns game, I guess, really the second yep. time they they lost to um, you know a bad team. This one was on the road, so it's going to be tough to come up with a worse loss than uh, than that Suns game. But um, this game was particularly irritating because well for a few reasons um but i'd say i'd start with just the fact that i mean you had a 17 point lead in the second half but it was 87 70 the bucks went on a 17-0 run to kind of seemingly take control i think it was late in the third quarter and they led by 13 or 15 points something like that in the fourth quarter as well so uh you know no matter who you're playing if you are leading by that type of margin i mean you gotta just you know step on their throats and 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 end it and um, the Bucks obviously were not able to do that in a 136-134 overtime loss. And, um, you know, again, the Bucks have had one loss uh, by, what, over four points, I think. <laughs> they, they had lost that game in Portland by 15 or 13, yeah. I think. And then um, every other game that they've lost, I mean, I know this doesn't necessarily make everybody feel all warm and fuzzy inside, but um, pretty remarkable how uh, they're the only team that, that only has one uh, double digit loss all year. Uh, there are a few that have two. Um, but you know, again, the, you know, as frustrating it was, I mean, the bucks, they, they still don't ever lose by any type of real margin, but, um, they've had this nasty habit really kind of excluding opening night in that bulls game, uh, in midweek of, uh, of not being able to, for whatever reason, uh, win these really close games. And, um, probably a lot of a lot of things to talk about but um you know among them I'll I'll lob out and then we can we can tackle them one by one but um you know there was sort of the the part that maybe they couldn't control as much I mean Emmanuel Mudiay hitting multiple off balance leaning threes I mean it was just like I, I just like threw my hands up watching some of these shots which is just really frustrating you know 59% from three for the Knicks and a number of those by guys that you don't expect to be hitting huge shots. And then um, obviously one, maybe the, the most controversial talking point, not just the loss, but the fact that Chris Middleton doesn't play in the fourth quarter, doesn't play in overtime. Um, we saw Pat Connaughton, Sterling Brown, Tony Snell, pretty much everybody, but Chris Middleton um, playing in the fourth quarter in overtime. And um, after the game, I don't think there was any real question. Uh, I think everybody was pretty open that it was uh, kind of a message sent about some, Lack of hustle, lack of uh, maybe intensity. Except Bud. Except- Bud. Bud really liked the guys that he had out oh, there. Yeah. And, you know, they they they, they really did a nice job getting up to 16 or 18 <laughs> points. <laughs> and then blowing it. So, um, hey, where do, you, where do you want to start with that, Eric? There's uh, definitely some 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 spice in this loss. Uh, not the kind we, we'd want uh, as people who have to talk about the pucks all the time. But uh, we got some spice anyway, and um, we've got a few days to talk about it since the next game isn't until Wednesday. Sure. Let's start with outlier shooting. Um, if if you need a definition for outlier shooting, um, use this game as an example, uh, because that's what it is. The, the Knicks shooting 20 of 34 from three is just bananas. Uh, Damian Dotson going five for five from deep. Uh, Emmanuel Moutier going four or five from deep. Noah Vonley going three of three from deep. Um, and you know, this isn't to say that any of these guys, uh, aren't having like better seasons, aren't showing improvement, any of those things, but those, those three collectively, uh, missing one of 13 threes. Yeah, that is, uh, that is not par for the course. That is not how, how this really uh, tends to happen. And, um, you know, 
I think this <laughs> this is the same thing that we end up talking about after a lot of the Bucks losses. Is like, okay, um, this other team shot the ball really well, and you know, what are you going to do about that? And you know, uh, obviously, I think a, a lot of the time the answer would be nothing. Um, if if teams are, are going to have outlier shooting performances against you, like you got to stay the course, you got to trust, uh, trust the shot profile and just, just keep it moving. Um, but you know, I do, it's something that's incredibly hard to look at, but you know, like we've talked about how the Boston Celtics are this strange anomaly of how they've been able to be in the like very tippy top of the league of opponent three point shooting percentage for, for years and years and years. And you know, I, I think one of the things we'll have to start asking is like, okay, these outlier, like these outlier shooting performances keep happening. Is there something more to it or is it just luck? And I, I know I think I would lean to, you know, it, it is just luck and an unlucky streak, but also if you keep tending to be unlucky, you know, you got to kind of think through these things and try to figure that out. And speaking of that point, our good friend Dean Maniat at all the bucks on Twitter had, uh, had done a quick look through for defensive rating. Um, and, you know, just this is something that obviously we've talked about, about how, you know, even if on your best days, you're 15th and, or even in your worst days, if you're, you're 15th in offense rating, like, okay, that's still pretty okay. Uh, you know, th- some of those other best days will probably keep coming, but uh, Bucks defense rating for the uh, for the last uh, nine games, 108.8, which is good for 15th league-wide across the last nine games. Uh, if you go luck-adjusted, which you know obviously controls for outlier shooting performances and things of that nature, uh, luck-adjusted for the Bucks in the last nine games is 104.5, and that would take them to sixth in defensive rating. Uh, and during the last five games, it's even... Uh, maybe a little bit more extreme uh, because you look at uh, the last five games, the Bucks defense rating is 114.8. And if you go luck adjusted, it's 105.1. And that's a difference between 26th and 10th. Uh, also during that time, Dean notes that they've allowed the 10th fewest wide open threes per game. Uh, so there, there is kind of that idea that you just need to stay the course. And, and I think largely that is what you need to do, but um, where I think that's interesting. And, you know, this is kind of what we talked about at the start of the season. That's what we talked about in the preseason. Like to me, this is where things become really interesting because this Bucks team has fallen at the hands of the system that they have chosen. And it's a system that I think just about everyone believes is pretty sharp. It, it tends to make a lot of sense. And uh, you look at the shot profile, it's good. And they've fallen at it. So, you know, when you encounter this adversity playing basketball the way that you want to play and uh, essentially executing that game plan to a large extent, where does your brain go? Like, how do you how do you react to that? And I think that's going to be uh, somewhat interesting to watch over the last little while. Um, we'll talk about Middleton in a little while, but you can react to that. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, again, I think that the um, you know if you look at like the, the offensive and defensive ratings for this game on Saturday, it was, I think it was like 120 and 121 or something like that. Right. I mean, the, the, the Bucks offense, even though it, again, it felt like the Bucks missed a lot of good looks at threes, which has been a theme for, for a while now. Um, you know, they also hit a lot, hit a bunch of threes and then they were overall, you know, very efficient. And, um, you know, it's funny, like I, I thought 
I thought New York defended Giannis actually really well. Uh, um, Noah Vonley and, and Mitchell Robinson thought they did a really yep. nice job, but he still had a super efficient scoring night. So offense was not the problem. And, you know, it's it's kind of hard to look at the Bucks' offense, which um, I'm 97% sure is still ranked first in the NBA. Um, <laughs> kind of hard to look at the offense right now and and feel uh, too, too concerned with that. With that. Um, yep. you know, yes, game to game, there's some and things like that. And obviously, um, you know, the game, obviously they, they didn't make enough shots when, especially when, when New York was hitting theirs, but, um, you know, I'd say defensively though, by, by and large, um, I, I have kind of similar feeling. We talk, kind of talked about it in the last week. Um, you know, a lot of the fundamentals are still pretty strong with the bucks and, um, you know, again, like, uh, with sort of the taking the luck adjustment, uh, you know, and, and, um, if anybody's interested in this stuff, um, Jacob Goldstein and, uh, Nathan Walker, um, both do really interesting stuff, um, do doing kind of like numbers, you know, doing like adjustments for, for luck, you know, by taking out like outlier three point shooting and free throws and things like that, um, to try to kind of help suss out like, well, what's really, what's really happening. Right. And we talked about it last week, right. That, um, you know, especially with, um, you know, opponent strength, strength, of schedule, things like that, you know, it can get very noisy looking at, uh, at stats and in shorter samples. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I think again, also defensively, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't know if I really, you know, have that much, that much concern. Um, and you know, as well, I mean, like after that Boston game, I think early in the season, we were kind of ready for like, oh, okay, the Bucks are just gonna like, just zone drop forever, and they're never gonna be, they're gonna be inflexible, and teams are just gonna like, you know, pick and pop them to death and things like that. And you know, that really hasn't been sort of the what, what's happened in every game. I, I, the all these losses, a lot of them have kind of taken different forms, and we've seen kind of the pick and pop stuff haunt them at times with like Marcus soul had like a bunch of threes in, in that game that they lost to Memphis. And, um, you know, like, you know, it, it but it, I think it's varied a lot more, you know, I don't think there's been a single thing. And as you talked about last week, um, you know, in the modern NBA, you, you can't take away everything. Right. Um, I think, uh, you know, famously, I mean, Zach Lowe would always talk about how the Bucks defense under Jason Kidd tried to take away everything <laughs> and, uh, it took away not a lot in, at the end of the day. And, and, um, you know, you have to kind of choose your battles and, um, you know, even, even in the next game where obviously the defense is going to be desired. Um, I thought, you know, I mean, I, if you're going to give up Emmanuel Moutier leaning, you know, nearly blocked from behind three point shots, um, those are shots I can live with. Uh, you know, Kevin Knox, I mean, again, like I know he's a talented guy, but you know, he had a career career night and I don't, I don't think it was because the Bucks just, you know, gave him a bunch of easy shots and just let him, let him get into a rhythm necessarily either. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's tough. I mean, we can talk about how the kind of this fits into the broad scheme. I mean, I think, um, you know, the frustration for me, I think our friend Steve Unhorn kind of summed it up best. He tweeted at me cause I, you know, I tweeted, Hey, like, you know, you, you just blew a 17 point lead. Middleton's been benched. Uh, Nick's made everything. And lo and behold, you know, um, you're basically like one loss up on the, the Sixers who are who are in third. And the Pistons, if they win, uh, I think they play on Monday. They went on Monday and went and beat, beat the Bucks on Wednesday. Then they're going to be have a better record than the Bucks too. <laughs> so um, Steve, what Steve's comment was, you know, uh, something effective like, I, you know, it would have been nice to get more wins during the like OMG net rating period of the season. <laughs> And I think that kind of accurately captures sort of my feelings, which is, you know, I don't know exactly. I'm not sure. And I think we've all been trying to figure out what's a reasonable like net rating, you know, for this team to even have. Right. Um, You know, they're still around plus 10 points per 100. um, But obviously that has come back uh, in a little bit over these few games. And um, certainly like it's kind of one of these things like 
you know, there's no guarantee that you're going to get lucky the rest of the season because you maybe got unlucky with some close games early in the season. And, you know, it tends to even out over time. But, um, you know, it does feel like some missed opportunities. The fact that, um, you know, you're sitting here with a 15 and seven record, which is a really good record. Um, but obviously, a lot of the fundamentals would say, man, you should have won. You should have won more games. And, um, you know, hopefully, again, things, you know, if the Bucks can <laughs> maintain a plus 10 net rating all year, I'll gladly take that. But I think we're also seeing, you know, obvious questions like, you know, game after game. Um, they're, they're obviously, they have, it's been a while since they really kind of just blew the doors off somebody. Um, really, I guess, going back to not since the Blazers game, right? I guess that, that Blazers game, they used up a lot of their uh, blowout uh, reserve. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it, it's, it's, it's kind of a funny spot, like, because it seems like there's a lot of panic. And, and I don't think anything, um, but the Bucks still haven't lost more than one game in a row all season. So it's just been kind of this weird thing where they haven't really been able to kind of get into a positive run where they've won a, a bunch of games since that first seven and oh streak. Obviously, they're eight and seven since then. Um, they also like have generally been pretty good at like avoiding kind of like, you know, like prolonged slumps or prolonged bad, bad stretches as well. And, um, you know, they definitely have a challenge coming up next week because, you know, Detroit's been playing well. They want to break their the one game losing streak, obviously against the Pistons, and then you've got Golden State and, and Toronto on the weekend. Which you know, obviously, if you can avoid a two game losing streak and just split that, you probably feel really good. So, um, you know, it's still so early in the season. Like, I, I still feel like I'm still getting a feel like exactly how good this team is and how good all these other teams are. Um, but you know, again, like, I, I can't, I can't like panic at this point either. I think everything would be a lot easier for me if I could see losses and not be like oh that was an outlier shooting night like if i could just see like oh the bucks got their asses kicked and this is the way that they got their ass kicked like that that would be so great uh, because it would make all of this a lot easier because you know when you see the new york knicks shoot 59 percent from three it's like i don't know how else you want me to chalk it up like i i can't do anything else other than that like i can't I can't uh, figure out a different way to break that one down for you because it just is flashing at me in neon lights. Like that's just how it's going to be. So like the Suns one was like, okay, well they didn't come out in the first half. Okay. We did that. We talked about that. And well, the next game they responded and, you know, ended up being the Spurs and it's like, okay. And uh, then you lose a close one to Charlotte. And uh, in that one, you end up missing all of the open shots late in game. And it's just like, that seems like an outlier performance. <laughs> you just have to keep going through this. And like, I, I'm struggling to, you know, kind of veer in a direction and be like, oh, this is very clearly the Milwaukee Bucks problem because I I can't I can't see that one, uh, but then it's also like trying to combine with, okay, even if I can't see one, I know that they should have won some more of these games, and uh, you know at this point I think you can say pretty comfortably like they should have been like what seventeen and five instead of fifteen and seven, um, and you know should have won a couple of those games, but there's also not to me very clear ways in which. Uh, I would have coached differently. I would have suggested playing differently. Like I just don't really have those. Uh, and, and maybe the Celtics game would be the only one where it's like, okay, you probably shouldn't have tried to zone drop uh, Al Horford because he's just going to kill you. Um, so I, I don't know. Like, I think that's what makes the, this, this season so incredibly frustrating uh, 
because after these losses, like you just have to be like, they should have won. They should have just won. And I think that's, that's like all I got right now. I, I, do you, do you feel like there's any patterns emerging in these losses? Cause I, I really am struggling with trying to figure out how to, um, you know, we're both pretty analytically minded. We're both kind of curious basketball thinkers and I'm, I'm struggling with it. Yeah. I mean, the fact that they're close games, obviously against bad opponents, you know, you can say, well, it shouldn't be a bad, it shouldn't be a close game to begin with. Um, but I think in all these games, um, I'm trying to think of a game that they've lost Portland. They didn't have a fourth quarter lead, uh, Boston. They did not have a fourth quarter lead. They were playing catch up the whole game. Um, but a lot of these other games, you know, like, um, and, and Hornets game, the, the second Hornets game, they also just were kind of coming back from it. So yeah. they really kind of dug themselves a hole and then had to come back. Um, but I think the ones that have been probably most frustrating for people are, um, you know, the fact that against, uh, New York, you've got a huge, you know, second half slash fourth quarter lead and, and you don't close it out. And again, some of that's opponent lucky shot making. Um, but you know, down the stretch, like Giannis, basically trying to recreate his buzzer beater from two years ago on the last show. Can we talk about how terrible that final possession was? Yeah. What is he, what was he doing? Well, I mean, I think, I think it was, I think I, I, I'm curious if he had not hit that basically mirror shot, um, on the other end of the court a couple of years ago, does he, does Mm -hmm. he try for that? Or does he more aggressively try to go to the basket? Because, um, like know. he he had the corner at six seconds. Like he had the corner to go to the basket at six seconds, and he decided not going to take it. Like I'm gonna because I've I, and I've never seen Giannis play this way. Where during the middle of the possession, I shouldn't say never. Other than that Nick shot, like I've never seen him actively looking to the other side of the floor at the shot clock or at the clock as the possession is going. And it was just like, okay, you're you're an attacker. You're trying to get to the basket, like you have taken yourself out of the attacking mode. If every two seconds you're looking to see how much time is on the clock. Yeah. And I, I mean, this is the thing this is what I always struggle with. Like when, you know, you see like coaches try to say it like, Oh, Giannis is, we, you know, they try to say like, well, he's going to be a good shooter and blah, blah, blah. It's just like, look, I know we have, they have to say that, but like, you know, just, and this isn't just this year, but I mean, you know, whether it's threes or mid-range shots, like the the fact that he just, you know, misses that shot two feet wide <laughs> or, yeah. you know, he will just airball like mid-range jump shots like semi-regularly. And I mean, to his credit, his mid-range numbers are actually, I think they might be career highs for on long twos this year, but he just, I mean, he hasn't taken that many of them, but I think he was over 40% last I checked. Maybe that's already dropped down since, you know, since the, after the next game. But um but it's just, you know, again, we, we've joked in the past before people started using the term snowflakes as a political thing. I feel like we were calling his, yeah. his jumpers snowflakes. Um, are. So I feel like we can't really do that anymore because people are like, oh, what are snowflakes? As <laughs> no, it's not. Fun. <laughs> they really are like the, the mechanics just are not consistent and they're just, they, I don't know, they just go to hell too, too regularly. Um, and on a shot like that, I mean, this is the hard thing, too. It's like you don't want him taking those shots. Um, and sometimes like if it's a blowout, like I kind of like, I'm okay. If he like maybe tries like a turnaround or something like that, just because, well, you know, maybe at some point you're going to need that shot. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. but a situation like this where he hasn't really been, you know, taking that shot obviously. And that's not something he's had any consistency with really ever. Um, yeah, it just feels like a waste of possession. Right. I mean, it it just feels like that's the worst, you know, short of like losing the ball and having to throw it 
throw it up at the, you know, from 30 feet or something. feels like that's kind of the worst shot that the Bucks might take in a, in like a normal flow. And we've talked about that, how, you know, Giannis is kind of fadeaway shots or, I mean, they're not good for anybody. I don't like when Chris Middleton takes fadeaways, but they're certainly a much higher percentage than, than when Giannis does. So, um, so yeah, it just felt like a disappointment and, um, and especially because he he had, he had Dotson on him at, at that time, and like yeah, well, and Dotson knew that, but like yeah, he bailed me out. Like he was pretty yes. open and honest. Like I got you know your Dotson six six, and um, and it was weird too because I mean Giannis did have a couple plays from the right side um that he ended up getting in this game, but um it was just also kind of weird because like they tried to run that pick and roll, and then that sort of then like turned into basically a post up on the right side. And so it was all very just yep. like kind of scattered because we know his normal MO when he's getting post-ups is to take that screen coming across to the left side. So putting him, you know, not just in a position where he might have to take a harder shot than normal, but then also that he's, you know, not coming at, you know, he's not co- attacking from the side that he's used to. Um, you know, I guess the upside is it's probably easier for him to shoot the, you know, like a turnaround type shot um, dribbling to his left because he doesn't have to kind of turn his whole body around as much. Mm-hmm. Um, but either way, I mean, it's it's a low percentage shot. And um, yeah, I mean, obviously it's frustrating because, you know, I mean, Giannis was a monster. I mean, you know, 33 points. And I, like, I don't think anyone's that mad if he if he gets a dunk at five seconds. No, and that's and that was that's. Yeah, and that, that was kind of I, I was kind of surprised, to be honest, that he went as early as he did. Um, and I guess, it you know, it's because you don't know how the defense is going to play him and you know, that's the hard part sure. about playing through a guy who doesn't want to shoot jumpers is then, you know, you, you don't have the same flexibility, but you know, even like a pull-up jumper, I feel a lot better about than that. the shot that he did. Cause <laughs> yeah. like, you know, you, you think about like, you think about what you have to account for when you're driving, you know, toward the side and then you're going backwards too. I mean, it's a, lot. it's a much easier, if anybody has ever shot a shot like that, you know, that it's, it's way easier to have that shot go completely haywire versus, you know, if you're driving in, at least somewhat straight with your momentum, um, getting at least somewhat close to the bat towards the basket, you know, you have sort of fewer things you have to account for as you adjust, you know, your, your, you know, your feel on, on the jump shot. So yeah, it's frustrating. I mean, it would obviously been incredible for him to nail another game winner like that, but, um, you know, to then not even hit the rim. I mean, it's like, uh, geez. Um, okay, let's talk Chris Middleton. So uh, Chris Middleton plays 19 minutes on the night. He does not play uh, any portion of the fourth quarter or overtime. And um, after the game, Chris says, you know, point blank, I was I was benched. Like I didn't execute a couple defensive assignments. I didn't hustle enough. Like you know, I got benched and, and that was that. And he is very matter of fact about it. As I mentioned, uh, Mike Boonholzer was asked about it after the game and he just kind of said, well, you know, I liked the other guys and what they had going and, and wouldn't say anything about kind of the idea of, of benching Chris, but obviously very clearly what happened. So, uh, he doesn't play the final 17 minutes of the game. And I guess kind of where all of this I guess where all of this becomes interesting to me is I posted on Twitter the the last uh, 35 seconds or so that Chris Middleton's on the floor. Um, and I, I'm assuming this is kind of what did it. Uh, but Middleton has a sequence where uh, there's a pull of three taken. 
the rebound goes long. He's not able to get to it. He tries to grab it with his left hand, just one-handed, and kind of bring it in. Uh, he gets it stripped, I believe, by Damian Dotson. Um, and then it gets to a nick. Dotson comes from where he was on the right wing, uh, taps it out, gets all the way over to the left side, gets a, uh, gets a catch on the left wing, hits a three, and Middleton uh, closed out pretty lazy. Um, after he had missed that, he kind of just loitered in the middle of the floor. Lazy closeout onto Dotson. Dotson hits the three. Uh, the Bucks come down. Uh, again, final 30 seconds or so of the of the third quarter. Bucks come down. They miss a shot. Uh, goes the other way. Alonzo Trier comes down. And um, I, I would say, honestly, as I watched the play, I was surprised that Trier got all the way to the basket. Um, and I think it got it caught Chris by surprise as well. I, I think he thought Trier was going to take a pull up and that's what he was going to contest. And said he gets all the way to the basket. Uh, Chris was the furthest uh, transition defender back. Uh, so he gets past Chris and Giannis tries to swat it from behind, gets called for goaltend. And uh, then we don't see Chris Middleton again. And I think I was talking to you about this a little bit before the podcast. What, what I think is interesting is I know I've had Bucks fans in my mentions talking about how lazy Chris has been lately. And, you know, he hasn't been uh, getting to a lot of loose balls and uh, he hasn't been rebounding and, and doing all these things. And um, I mean, I think, I think a lot of the times that's I thought it was warranted in the last couple of games. Like I do think, you know, there's been moments where he hasn't gotten to some rebounds, but one of the things I struggle with is so you bench Chris Middleton for not hustling enough, not closing out. Um, how are you going to tell when he does do it? Because as we know, like Chris isn't the most athletic cat. Like he's, He's just a dude that is very skilled and, you know, he's found a way to affect games defensively, you know, by getting in passing lanes, by um, using some of his length. Like he's, I think for a while now, you know, we've all known that, you know, quick shooting guards are probably going to be able to get past Chris because he's just not that fleet of foot and he uses his length to, to try to get by. And, you know, like, I don't think anyone is expecting Chris Middleton to, to get a, a double double anytime soon with rebounds. Like, I don't, I don't think anyone expects that. So I guess the, the thing that was interesting to me was, you know, the pop has never been afraid of benching guys. And, you know, he, he did it famously with Tony Parker and uh, Bud did it with Torian Prince, I believe in the last two years uh, when he was in Atlanta. And, you know, like guys like that, like, okay, they're very athletic. You can tell when they are at, at their, they are in their highest gear that they're going as hard as they can. They're, they're moving up the floor as quickly as they can. Like, uh, how do you tell when Chris Middleton is, is actively quote unquote, trying very hard and uh, going after all these things to me that that's the, the interesting thing was that it was Middleton that was selected as the guy to, you know, kind of make this point about, because I just feel like his game is incredibly difficult to attempt to feel those things out because, you know, I, as much as I I'd end up defending Chris Middleton and talking about, you know, how good of a scorer he is and, you know, how impactful he is, like, I don't think I've ever once talked about his defensive rebounding and, and how good that can be. Like, I, I think that's what's going to be really interesting because, you know, I don't know what a quote unquote motivated Chris Middleton looks like on the defensive end. Like, I think he largely looks like 
uh, quote unquote unmotivated Chris Middleton looks like on the defensive end. So that's what that's what I kind of found interesting about it. Uh, general thoughts on you know kind of trying to decipher the purpose or just general thoughts on, on the benching in general. Well, I guess the the truth will or not the truth, but um, you know what happens next will determine whether or not we even remember this happening, you know, a month from now or two months from now, whatever. Um, you know, if the bucks come out and Middleton plays well and the bucks, you know, get back on track, then, um, you know, we'll probably say like, Oh, okay. Hey, yeah, maybe that was, maybe, that, you know, sent the right message or whatever. And, um, you know, if he looks basically the same and, and I agree, I mean, he's probably the hardest guy to judge when he's, trying versus not trying just because he doesn't like just the way he moves just isn't it's just very i mean probably the 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 most euphemistic way to say it call it would be he's very smooth um but you know obviously i think what you're getting is, is he also is just sort of you know he's not explosive quick twitchy regardless so um you know it it all sort of um it, he's he's less obvious around it and you know, also the fact that, I mean, as, as a small forward, he's not like defending the point of attack as much, you know, um, you know, he's not like Bledsoe and Brogdon who are getting put over a million screens and having to, um, you know, defend like the best, you know, point guards in the league. So it's like, I definitely like pay attention, far less attention to Chris on the defensive end than I do the guards and Giannis, for instance, and Lopez, right? Yeah. Because you know, you're always looking at Lopez because he's the center. He's getting put in pick and rolls. How are they covering the pick and roll? You're always looking at the, you know, Brogdon and Bledsoe because they're the ones defending the lead, the ball handlers who generally are, are being put into pick and rolls. And obviously it doesn't mean that Chris is never having to defend those situations, but it just doesn't happen as much. So he does tend to kind of blend into the background a little bit. And um, yeah, I mean, who knows, right? Like if it was those, like that sequence that, got him the hook or if it was that sequence plus you know bud feeling like there's been a broader trend over the last few games or weeks whatever um you know hard to say um you know middleton's minutes are way down this year he's playing 30 minutes a game you know we talked last year about how maybe his defensive kind of lapses were driven by the fact that he was playing 37 minutes a game and he was having to play more power forward and um those those are not issues this year at all um so you know there's no real excuse if, if you're seeing the same kind of stuff this year, um, as, as last year, obviously the bucks have been very successful with him on the court. It's not like, you know, there's this like, Oh, why are they so much better without him type type question? And obviously, you know, Saturday didn't do anything to suggest that, Oh, the bucks don't need Chris Middleton. Right. Cause yeah. uh, they end up blowing a lead and, and obviously losing to an inferior team. Um, not, not just for that reason, obviously, but, um, but yeah, it, it's tough. I mean, I think the good news is, you know, Chris is a guy who is going to be a, you know, at least publicly, certainly he's going to be a pro about it. We'll see, you know, ultimately you just hope that, um, you know, it, it doesn't bleed. I mean, it's not like, you know, he's in danger of losing his rotation spot or starting spot or something, yeah. right? Like, um, I think we would all be completely shocked and dumbfounded if Chris Middleton was, you know, suffered a similar type move um, the next game out, right? I mean, uh, you, yep. you hope that he reacts in a really positive way and that um, Bud rewards him by by showing, you know, repaying that faith and all that. So, and again, it's not like the Bucks have, you know, all these great options, right? I mean, I think um, <laughs> Sterling Brown had some moments, you know, we saw, we saw a lot more. Sm- the, the funny part too is because, I mean, the, they played so much small ball that they needed really all those wings to, f- to fill out the spots on the floor because, you know, obviously they w- didn't want to play with, with, 
Thon at power forward much, even though they they tried that early on and, and Thon did hit a couple threes. Um, but you know, they wanted to play smaller. And um, so yeah, I mean, having Chris Middleton in the mix would have obviously been very helpful because, you know, instead I I mean, I guess it was really what Bledsoe Brogdon, Connaughton, um, Snell and and uh Brown that played a lot of the the minutes um in the fourth yep. quarter in overtime. So um, you know, hey, I'm glad for the opportunity for Sterling Brown. Um, you know, it's been good to see him actually make some plays um these last, you know, over the last week or so. But um, you know, you, you obviously want Sterling Brown doing things in addition to Chris Middleton, not because, you know, Chris Middleton's being uh, you know, um put in the corner and uh, and and told to think about what he's done. Yeah, yeah, and uh, like you said, I'm I'm really interested. You know, kind of how this plays out, and um, you know what what Bud was after, um, and you know what what you're what you're trying to get out of Chris Middleton, and you know hope for, and you know uh, if you if you are making a move like this, you know you are I think or uh, I shouldn't say always because um, you know. Jason Kidd just decided to give DNPs to guys. And sometimes that meant DNP and Giannis against LeBron and the Cavs and DNP and uh, Middleton and just doing strange things. But, you know, I think the hope would be that Bud is doing this for a reason. And, you know, you hope you get something out of it. But uh, I'd be lying if I said, if I didn't say multiple times during that fourth quarter and during that overtime, like, okay, Bud, you proved your point. You did it. it. I think Chris understands that he's being benched because he he didn't hustle in those moments. Um, you know, maybe put him back in so you can finish this off and beat a Knicks team that you should beat, and don't drop another one that that you should. And like you said, a lot went into it. Obviously, uh, at the end of that game, even without Chris, they were still up by quite a bit. Um, but then, you know, as, as the fourth quarter kind of, or as the time on the clock kind of dwindled, well, it, it all of a sudden it got close and, you know, there was some spots where, uh, the offense came up a little bit empty. I think, you know, Giannis had, Giannis had a travel blood. So missed a jumper. And obviously you're not going to make shots every time down. And Moutier hit a, ridiculous three and they made some good plays but um you know at the end it was just like okay you can you can put chris middleton and it especially felt that way you know once you got to overtime it was like okay um this probably isn't the best way to use these players like pat Connaughton getting 36 minutes he was plus 13 in 36 minutes like he he was he was quite helpful because that's what pat Connaughton is but you know that's probably not what's going to end up being best for your team so um yeah, I think it'll be an interesting uh, week because the Bucks obviously had Sunday off. They have Monday off. They have Tuesday off, and then uh, they play the Pistons on Wednesday. So um, everyone has plenty of time to think about what happened in that Knicks game. And uh, I think our good friend King Pittman uh, tweeted out that he talked to Thon after the game, and Thon said that they tend not to be good when they have a lot of time off. And uh, they got a lot of time off. Um, I, I don't know if that's actually a trend, uh, but Thon seems to, th- seems to think so. So we'll see if that is actually the case, but, um, unless you have anything else, Frank, we can talk about it tomorrow and, uh, we'll wrap up this episode because we'll have a couple more days to get you ready for Bucks Pistons on Wednesday, Bucks Warriors on Friday, and then Bucks Raptors on Sunday. So busy week. Hang, hang on, hang on, hang on real quick. 
I'll give you the stats. Uh, is Thon Maker the the is Thon Maker telling the truth? The fact check, the Thon Maker fact check. Sure. First off, what's what's your what's your gut? Do you think there is something? Do you do you think statistically the Bucks are I don't. are better with less or, or more rest? Uh, I do not think there's anything there. I think there's a lot of randomness. Okay, and, and again, I would agree there is probably a lot of randomness in this because um, you know I, I off offhand I don't recall every team that they've played on a back to back versus otherwise. But uh, with zero days rest on back to backs, the Bucks are three and zero with a plus 11.6 net rating uh, with one day rest, the bucks are eight and four. And with two days rest, the bucks are three and three, six plus days rest. Oh, one wow. Uh, which I assume was the, yeah, that was the, the opening day of the season. So that's kind of a, an outlier, but yeah. So Thon maker uh, analytical Maven, apparently um, <laughs> he knows, <laughs> he knows. So uh, um, I guess, yeah. And I, interestingly, we're going with this, so two days has been the 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 bad thing for the Bucks, where they're just three and three um, versus one day eight and four and zero days three and oh. So anyway, go figure. Weird, weird and wild stuff. Thon Maker really, really bringing it. Uh, the new Lockdown Bucks statistician, Thon Maker. Um, all right, that is going to be it for us for today. We'll talk about all of this and much more again tomorrow. So for Frank, I'm Eric. That's been Lockdown Bucks. We will talk to you tomorrow.